It's Bigfoot Collectors Club with Bryce and Michael. <laughs> I know a ghost story or two. Let's do this. Nova, the is lying. Nova, there's no denying he's a wild and woolly sheep. Nova, the sheepish lion. I love that cartoon. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm good to go now. Lambert. Lambert. Um, I'm sitting here with Mr. Nova, who is healing my late night woes. <laughs> Mike's Mike's hungover. Hi, everybody. It's Michael McMillan. Welcome back to another episode of Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal histories and share tales of high strangeness. Uh, as I said, I'm your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host, Bryce Johnson, and your trusty producer, Riley Bright. And before we bring in our lovely guest today, uh, I just want to give a shout out, A, to uh, all the hardworking Firefighters, first responders, men and women who are putting their lives on the line uh, to fight the California wildfires that are happening right now. Thank you so much. Um, we uh, The podcast donated yesterday to the cause. If you would like to help out our firefighters, you can go to lafd.org and uh, you can donate there to help them get uh, water packs and Things that they need to help save lives and wildlife. So, boy, it's been a rough week here in California. Yeah, no kidding, man. So, uh, thanks to all of our brave souls out there. Um, also, Bryce, buddy, speaking of Bigfoot, you're back in a cast. <laughs> yeah, back in a cast. Had a second surgery on my foot, so I'm really excited about that. Um, how you feeling, <laughs> pal? I'm feeling good. Surgery went great. Got some nice hardware in there, and... Uh, yeah, the surgeon was pleased. He's like, I'm going to show this to my doctor buddies. I was like, okay, great. That sounds good. <laughs> this, of course, is your broken heel. Yeah, this you, is my broken you broke heel. just after we uh, started started yeah. this podcast. Guess what? what? The official main feed went live a year ago. Yeah, that's this crazy. This week. So now it really is our first birthday with Riley. So oh, yeah, that's right. Hell yeah. Is, uh, we've Finally. been doing this for one year in this clubhouse. Thank we God. did it. And you know what? This show would be nothing if it weren't for our amazing guests. Um, I want to bring in today's guest. Do it. She is a stranger. Um, I can't believe that she agreed to come do this podcast, basically knowing me after 24 hours. Uh, trust, I'm man. worried you're going to get murdered someday. <laughs> I'm worried I'm going to get murdered today. Yeah. Hey, um, still the night's still young. Um, but uh, she is an actor whom I recently worked with. She's a writer. You may see her. You may have seen her on TBS's sitcom Wrecked. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome TV's Jessica Lowe. Yay! Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me. Oh, thanks for thanks coming. Thanks for coming. Here. Oh my gosh. Isn't it is it weird to not uh see me with a fake mustache on? Yeah, you ate so much dirty dirty hair. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> he opted for the breakfast burrito, right. but he had to watch himself eating it in a full length mirror because he was consuming <laughs> so much pube like Oh my hair. god, this fake mustache I wore for the show we just worked on together. It was like 
someone shaved their pubes and glued them on my face. Right, it right. was the worst. I love that you had to watch it and, and yourself eat it in front of a mirror. Yeah, because I didn't want to. <laughs> like, I kept hmm, like this is fun. I kept getting. I know what a weird. Here I was in like a fake mustache and a smoking jacket, yeah. eating a bur- breakfast burrito in a mirror. It was like someone's a weird fucking fetish. I immediately was like, "This is the vainest dude ever." <laughs> just hold on, I'm watching myself. Hold eat. on, let me just. Uh, Snarf down <laughs> this uh, bacon and egg burrito. That's amazing. Um, yeah, we spent, uh, Jessica and I spent uh, tw- 48 hours trapped in the W Hotel. Oh, cool. It felt like we were on a very surreal vacation with people we didn't know. Nice. Including one another. Mm-hmm. Well, but go. we got through it. We got through it. Jess likes to keep the room real cold. <laughs> I run hot. <laughs> I run real hot uh, like a wolf. I mean, wolves are notoriously warm. <laughs> Everyone knows this. That's why they're so snowy. Why do you like the room that. so cold? Are you just like you? I mean, I I dug it actually. I, I think, think we scared I think off because, the other actor. I know. I think because I had a hot mic on my spine. Oh yeah, that was that was really doing some business. It was sending mm-hmm. the the heat vibes. Yeah, up yeah. And down. I was just. I like to cool it down so I don't get sleepy because every time we went in the other room and it's just like... It's a comedy must, aid. Yeah. Like <laughs> just all the grips are just ball sweating. Just, yeah. just like yeah. real hot. So I wanted it to be That's like they do. crisp. Yeah. Yeah. I just spent... Uh, I just got done writing for a show and I was four weeks in a writer's room and we were like in the same room all day. And by the end of the day... You know who doesn't, who wears and does not wear deodorant. Like it <laughs> yeah. gets real steamy right. in that place. Um, so yeah, I get it. I would have liked a lot more AC in that room. Copy but, that. Um, you know, just a bunch of nerds sweating out their breakfast burritos while <laughs> coming up with Batman dick jokes. Sounds awesome. Um, it was a good time. <laughs> um, who would like to hear this week's uh, update of the? BCC News. Um, <laughs> I feel so late doing that. Thing. It gets well, better every time. Yeah. Later, yeah. Which is kind of the fun. Um, so did you guys hear, Jessica, let me know if you heard about this. Um, the massive um, object that NASA spotted. Oh, yeah. That yeah. they are saying is maybe an alien probe. Yes. Uh, called Oumau. I believe it. I believe it is. Yeah, I've read about this before. This is like an article that circulates every, like once once or twice a year. I think. Isn't no, this it? is a different thing. This I think you're thinking of that mega structure that they see out blocking a uh, a distant star that they think might be some sort of alien right. mega structure. This is a. Brand... I get all my alien probe news articles confused. <laughs> <It's> probably true. <laughs> um, okay, so this is from the Daily Beast. Jen Kirkman sent me this one first yeah. thing in the morning the other day. She texted <laughs> me. Um, Harvard astronomers think they might have spotted an alien spacecraft. We know everyone has a lot on their minds already on Election Day, so this is when it came out on Tuesday. But just so you know, some elite U.S. astronomers believe they have discovered evidence of alien life. Harvard University astronomers say a mysterious cigar-shaped object that was spotted hurling through our solar system at 196,000 miles per hour last year may have been an alien spacecraft sent to investigate Earth. Scientists have argued over the nature of the object since it was first discovered in 2017. Now, a paper uh, paper by researchers at the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics suggests that the dark red object, which was named uh, Oumuamua, 
meaning a messenger that reaches out from the distant past in Hawaiian, might have an artificial origin. Uh, it may be a fully operational probe sent intentionally to Earth vicinity by an alien civilization. However, astronomers admit that this is an exotic scenario. Mm. And also suggests it could be a form of advanced technology produced by humans? Wait, mm. how does that work? Yeah, that doesn't make like any sense. Like humans from the future? Yeah. yeah. Um, what do you think about that, Jess? Have you seen this? Uh, are you looking at it right looking now? looking at it right now. So what oh, do you think? I, go ahead. I mean, I'm just assuming it's probably just a piece of the space just that's a, floating around. Just a chunk of space just broke off. Just a chunk of space bro- broke off. <laughs> you know, it's I a mean, valid explanation. We uh, are in a chunky part of the solar system. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and humans just like to think it's all about us. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> they so want to check us out. They sent, they sent this giant rock all the way to this backwater-ass planet. What were some of the details of this thing, though? Because I remember my, my brother was telling me that, like it was it would like stop and then speed up to like 900,000 miles an hour or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was right? like 196,000 miles per hour. Right, so it, it would like change speeds or something like that, which is you know not uh, astronomical by nature, right? I don't think so, but I don't know anything about space. Yeah. So who knows? I just think it's kind of cool that, I mean, how do they know? It's just a big space rock, right? I mean. I mean, things can change speed when they come into the interaction of other gravitational fields. Oh, that's true, I suppose. Yeah. So this is from The Independent. Uh, The Harvard scientist who suggested a piece of space rock might actually be an alien spacecraft says that the strange visitor doesn't look like anything we've seen before. Um, the research explored the unexpected movement of the rock and suggested it could be a quote-unquote light sail, which was sent intentionally by aliens to investigate Earth. Um, this is bizarro. This is scientists trying to find like alien life forms. It's like when they're already here, they're like just you know just. What do you know that we don't listen to the contactees' experiences <laughs> or something? Wait, right? they're already here. The, that's what Bigelow says. They're like right under our nose. Oh, boy, Bigelow, that guy again. Yeah. Have you read that book, The 37th Parallel, that I said? No, I haven't gotten to it yet, Oh, man, there's a lot of Bigelow goodness in that book. Oh, really? Oh, good. Yeah, this is this book by um, Ben Mesrich, Mm -hmm. who also wrote the book that the Social Network movie was based on. Oh, no way. They talk about Bigelow setting up his, like, nids initially. Yeah. And um, Bigelow, there's a cool bit in there where Bigelow believes that the Black Triangle ships are are military. Are military. secret, Secret blimps. Yeah, which is kind of cool, but that wouldn't make any sense of the uh, the Phoenix Lights black triangle. No, that doesn't. Mean, that's a different craft. That's totally. These are the ones craft. with like the like three lights on the bottom that people see with right. like, the center light. Okay, interesting. Anywho, um, let's get back out yeah. of this realm and mm-hmm. get back here on Earth with our friend <laughs> Jessica. Jess, uh, <laughs> you you felt weird coming on the show for a number of reasons, but one of them <laughs> is mostly the- that we just met in a hotel room. You're wearing a smoking jacket. <laughs> Um, what is your personal paranormal history? Um, I was thinking on this, um, and I don't have a lot of, like, ghost stories. I've never been haunted, um, I don't think. I mean, congratulations. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's it's, a good thing. I take it day by day. But I do remember, there's one, there's one story, and it relates to being an actress. Yes. Okay, great. So, when I was seven... In Albuquerque, I demanded that I get a Hollywood agent um, to my parents. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. My, in Albuquerque? Yeah. Uh, my mom and dad were like, 
what are you talking about? Go, go to your room. Um, but <laughs> they let me audition for uh, like the local theater uh-huh. uh, troupe in Albuquerque. And my first production was As You Like It. And I played Hyman, the goddess of love. <laughs> yeah, Yikes. Oh. <laughs> um, and the production took place at this theater called the... So you're seven years <laughs> old? Yeah, I'm seven playing Hyman. Playing Hyman? Yeah, like, this was... acting career is going to go great. <laughs> yeah, adults in this uh, program? Yeah. So you're the only kid? I was the only kid. <laughs> and you're playing Hyman? <laughs> and I played a little goddess. Oh, boy. <sighs> wow. I remained intact throughout oh, the production. Oh, God. <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. Sorry. Um, no, do not apologize. So uh, we had our performances at the Chemo Theater in downtown Albuquerque. Always a lively audience. Which the is, chemo yeah, theater. yeah. Which, oh, K I M O. Okay, whoops. Um, Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> hey, everyone wants some insane. Cancer jokes <laughs> oh no! Um, and uh, there's some folklore that surrounds that historic theater. Whoa! Built in 1927. Okay. Um, That's old enough to be haunted. Yeah. So um, it almost uh, had to close down during the Great Depression. There wasn't a lot of money in Albuquerque uh. to go see theater. But um, it had a big opening, and then in 1950, reopening, and then in 1951, a six-year-old named Bobby Darnell got scared during a production and ran out of the theater and went by the concession stand, and at that moment, the boiler exploded. What? Yeah. And it killed this six-year-old boy named Bobby. And now he's known as Bobby Boiler? And (laughs) Bobby Boiler Service. (laughs) Wow. Um, so his ghost still haunts the theater. And so in the backstage, there's a shrine to Bobby. And there's all these pictures, all the cast. Every cast has to give him an offering. And in general, I guess he loved donuts. And so... <laughs> you would you, think after the boiler exploded that like... They'd want to clean shit up back there. <laughs> right. Um, but instead, on like one of the heating tubes, you put donuts. And then at night, he comes and eats them. I'm going to say it's probably the rats of the chemo theater. There's like, you can see there's little bites in the donuts. And that's Bobby. That's Bobby eating those little bites. (laughs) Feeding a population of rats. Bobby's a rat king that lives under the floorboards of the stage. And like a couple productions of like forgotten the donuts and like they're like cords end up falling down during performances and like our Bobby Boyer yeah. give me my donuts. give me my goddamn donuts Whoa. um so so wait he got like so he got some sort of premonition or like he was on stage and he saw something he or? was watching it with his friends yeah just like these six year old theater goers I like the version of the story is that he got stage fright and ran out oh I do like that idea better no he was mm. in the audience oh he was in the and audience and he was on okay. the second stage like the balcony yeah and he got scared and so he ran down the stairs and the concession stand is like right over this boiler. Oh room. man, that's and the crazy. boiler exploded. Yeah. So it's like he got oh, called the to wolf. the explosion. Yeah. Come Bobby. down to the concession. Yeah. Bobby. Get some licorice. Um. So did you ever have an encounter with Bobby Boiler Room? No, I think we did our uh, duty and brought a bunch of donuts. So um, I think he was good with our production of As You Like It good. with Jessica Lowe uh, in her theatrical debut as Hyman. Yeah, how did things go after that? Nuh-uh, downhill. That oh, was that was my. That peak. was the highlight. Now yeah. they're just trying to Hyman. <laughs> yeah. In backstage next to Bobby Boiler, you what could open up a little uh, donut shop right next to the theater. You know. 
Oh, that's right. true. Yeah, you, you should could... call him Bobby B's <laughs> Boiling Bobby Donuts. Bobby B Bakery. I keep hearing an echo from this drum next to me, and it sounds like a voice is talking in my ear. It's and Bobby. It's scaring me. Michael. <laughs> Damn it. Man, oh boy, I've already had a rough morning. Um, so what was it like growing up in Albuquerque? Because I feel like that's sort of a supernatural place. You guys get a lot of like uh, lights in the skies out there. and Yeah, I mean, um, I they do a lot of uh, nuclear testing out there because <laughs> we don't matter. Hill people. Um, it's like NIMBY, except in New Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> um, not in my backyard. Right. Yeah. Wait, yeah. yeah you got it. Uh, in my, okay. Um, I got some looks. Tough room. Um, tough room. <laughs> and, you know, we have White Sands, and we have um, a bunch of, like, nuclear facilities throughout. Um, and I, I don't know. I think there are a lot of probably some toxic chemicals. Uh-huh. Um, I'm sure there's something in Area 51 that we shouldn't be seeing. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know. Well, Area Fifty One's what? That's in Nevada. I've oh, it is. By there. Yeah. What's the one that's like in Roswell? That is. Oh yeah, because you grew up not too far from Roswell. Uh-uh. I, I think Los Alamos is near. Um... Los Alamos is in the like n- like northern part of Albuquerque. Gotcha. Something's okay. down south. Well, they have a big. They Roswell used to have a big air base there, army base there, and I think that they do. There is a couple bases out there, and they definitely do a lot of new. They did a lot of nuclear testing out there, mm-hmm. and they also used to bring. German POWs and put them in Roswell because it's like 200 miles of desert in every direction. So if they tried to escape, they wouldn't get anywhere. Oh wow! So it's really, really crazy. Like their it's like the, the whole desert history. Alcatraz. Yeah, during World War II was like pretty, pretty wild. But did you grow up hearing stuff about like was Roswell a popular? Thing did people talk about? No, like how... we didn't really talk about it. Well, I would talk about it all the time, and I didn't even live there. I know. Did you ever hear stories of like the Ro- when was the first time you remember hearing the story of the Roswell crash? Um, I think probably around like seventh grade. We were looking at like aerial shots of mm-hmm. of like around uh, New Mexico, and there's just like this one section that's like classified, and that like did pique my interest. Like you're not allowed to take a picture. Of Roswell? Uh, like, of that, of like, the surrounding area of, like, where the crash is. Mm. Oh, that's right, because that's where all the testing sites are. Well, you ever heard of Dulce? That's in yeah, New, Dulce's Dulce's in New Mexico. New Mexico. That's, that? that might be the one you're that's thinking the, of. That's the secret, that's the new Area 51. That's, like, the secret underground military base where supposedly uh, aliens and humans are working together. And it's supposedly <laughs> like... <laughs> I love that reaction. And uh, no, now just listen here now. And uh, it goes like se- like seven hundred feet. There's like seven different levels underground. And um, yeah, that's where the guy I can't remember his name. Uh, the janitor that was working there at one point, I think. Or Phil a guy, Schneider. Phil Schneider was he a janitor? He was, no, he was a geo engineer. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Knocked him down. Same thing. <laughs> He was a he was a rat king working <laughs> the floorboards. Yeah, right. Dulce. Right. He he claims his story is that so this bioengineer used to work at Dulce, and he claims that an alien shot his hand with a ray gun. Yeah, in one was, of the underground tunnels, there was an alien it, attack down there. They were uh, yeah, and and he was involved in it, and he narrowly escaped with his life. I was looking at that because knowing you're from New Mexico, I was like maybe I'll do that for my high strangeness today, but. Mm. Uh, I had, I did not have enough time to research it, but one day we'll we'll definitely have to tell that story. Dulce is supposed to be like, do you watch Stranger Things? Yeah. So like Dulce is supposed to kind of be like the 
the lab where Eleven was made and oh. where the like hole to the uh, upside down is. Like that's all kind of based on Dulce mm-hmm. and then the fabled research lab that's off the shores of Montauk. Mm-hmm. Um, which I can't remember the name of, but there's a, supposedly another black site on an island off off Montauk in Long Island, and s- supposedly they are making hybrid animals there and weird, weird stuff. Um, yeah, they're called things based on that. They're called Dumb, uh, which is an acronym for a Deep Underground Military Base. Right, and there's a few of them across uh, scattered across the nation. But well, I was born in Colorado Springs, and there are definitely like underground bases there. Because oh like, yeah, that's NORAD and mm-hmm. all and that NORAD's stuff there and all that stuff. Um, when was the first time you visited an underground base, Jessica? <laughs> never. <laughs> You've never been to one. Oh man, they're fun. Uh, I that that whole I don't know we gotta what 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 do you think about the Phil Schneider thing? Well, you know it's funny I I I will in my story of high strangeness which Phil I'll, Schneider yeah Phil Schneider is uh, and sounds I'll, like a talk show host I know it does um, it's very it's it's an interesting story uh, and it, it's very kind of conspiratorial in nature too but you know my my story actually intersects with his uh, my story of high strangeness that, next I'm do, week. that I'm doing next week um, which will be very interesting but. Um, I don't know. He somehow was like this, uh, you know, he would go around these kind of UFO conferences and his and, and his knowledge of, of the underground base was so kind of like, um, it's just like he knew all about it and he had a, a lot of kind of information to back up his claims and stuff like that. So it made, it made for a very interesting story. Not only that, the guy's like, opens his shirt and he's like, and here's where the alien shot me. And there's like a big chest wound and... And he would talk about like this kind of agreement that they had to um, to work together with the aliens and and that the aliens were allowed to like, you know, um, you know, kidnap and abduct certain, uh, you, you know, humans. That was like part of the deal so that they could experiment on them. It's very it's just like a very twisted and very dark kind of like story. Um, I, I just Googled Phil Schneider, Dulce, and the first thing that popped up popped up is Phil Schneider is a total fraud. <laughs> Phil Schneider's a total fraud. Yeah. Um there's gonna be the naysayers out there. Um but yeah, no, it, his story definitely we should do one of uh, his own stories on high strangeness for yeah. sure, because it's an interesting one for sure. But did he die mysteriously? Yeah, he sort of died mysteriously too. So after he was talking about all this stuff, he ended up some sort of like apparent suicide with, right, uh, with mysterious it. surroundings um happening Yikes. you know so i don't know who knows Oy. Oh, good. Oh, boy. uh jessica <laughs> we have a segment yeah we have a new segment called michael has a manic breakdown <laughs> in the voice of popeye <laughs> So we don't have a voicemail today. We wanted to kick into the uh, voicemail segment, and uh, I thought this would be a fun time. But turns out you guys are just calling and hanging up on our voicemail. <laughs> like, leave us some messages. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. What's the number again, Riley? It's three one zero five nine seven four eight zero three. Call in, leave your message, so we can have fun listening to your uh, questions and encounters. Questions and encounters. Yeah, that's the name of. My new bath line. Oh, nice. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe some candles. All right, here we go. Just bathrobes and scented candles. (laughs) And some bath salts. You say bathrobes? 
All right, uh, Jess, get that mic close to you because you're up in the hot seat. This is a game that we like to call Bullshit or Believe It. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go down a list of different things, and you're going to say bullshit if you don't believe in it, or believe it if you do. And if it's in between, you can you can use uh, in tonal. <laughs> you can use exp- <laughs> you can be emotive with your words. Great, great, great. You know what I mean? Yeah. You only get to say bullshit or believe it, great. and then we can circle back on anything you want to come back like, to. Uh, believe it. Yeah, just oh, that was like great. that. That was perfect. And you're really good at this already, and you haven't even heard these. All right. Bad at this. (laughs) No, you're not. (laughs) On your mark. Get set. Bullshit. Ghosts. Believe it. UFOs. Believe it. Bigfoot. Bullshit. Angels. Believe it. Gnomes. Bullshit. Fairies. Bullshit. Unicorns. Bullshit. Loch Ness Monster. Believe it. That was good. Alien (laughs) grays. Like gray aliens. Believe it. Parallel universes. Believe it. Oh, reptilians disguising themselves as humans. Bullshit. Mermaids. Oh, bullshit. <laughs> oh. It's like you had to kill a mermaid. To do it. Like, a mermaid totally it died. It has to die Every now. Uh, heaven. Believe it. Hell. Believe it. Dragons. Bullshit. Yeti. Bullshit. Elves. Bullshit. ESP. Bullshit. Chupacabra. Bullshit. Demons. Bullshit. Atlantis. Bullshit. Life on other planets. Believe it. World peace. Bullshit. Peace in the multiverse. Believe it? (laughs) (laughs) Yay, that was awesome. I don't know. You are what you don't know what. I mean, there's some things where I'm like, I absolutely believe that there's no way we're the only intelligent life out there. Um, and like, like the heaven and hell stuff, mm-hmm. I think it's not necessarily like you're you go to another place. Mm-hmm. I it's more like I think it's like a, a construction to help people um, purport themselves in it, like like do a better here. Oh, okay, totally. Got it. So I don't believe like it's a place. I believe right. it's like yeah, a mindset. So what do you think happens yeah. after you die? I think you just turn into worm food. Really? Yeah. But you believe in ghosts. But like, I believe that... God, worm food, could... that is brutal. Yeah, I know. Also, we can add that to the list of band names. Yeah. Worm mm-hmm. food. I don't know. I, th- I feel like you... I don't know. I what? don't no, know. Go. There's yeah. like a whole well, thing. None I just, of us do. I just don't Nova. know. Um, There's a lot of things I don't know about, so I'm like more likely to say... Yeah, that's possible. Then, like, right. that's bullshit. Right. Oh, man. So, uh, do you think, like, if we're just worm food mm. after we go, like, do you... So, that just means our, like, soul or our personality just ceases to ex- exist. And it's just we're done. I don't know. I mean, I keep talking about this show because I can't... I just watched it. Oh, but what is it? In Killing Eve. Oh, this is supposed to be a great show, and I've mm. not seen it. Oh, it's so good. I heard it's right up my alley. It is outstanding. Standing. Okay, the, what's it on? What's it about? It's BBC America, and it's a woman who's trying to hunt a assassin serial killer. Okay, she's Ooh. like obsessed with female assassins, and there's this one that's the best. And um, her name's Juvenile, 
I think. And um, juvenile hymen. It's like it's like juvenile <laughs> something something French. She's outstanding, and she's about to kill this guy. And she talks about how the soul. Um, people always talk about how it goes somewhere else. Uh-huh. She thinks that it just gets smaller once you die. Whoa. Like people have all this hope that you're going to go to a, like a better place. They, she thinks it like sinks into your bones. Interesting. Which Whoa. is so sad. So maybe I'm just like being like extra emotional because I just watched that episode. That's fine. Uh, we welcome all sorts of emotions here at Bigfoot Collectors Club. Hmm. You're you're really big on the thing, Bryce, that like heaven and hell are here on earth. Yeah. What do you, I, what do you mean by that? Hmm. Well, I believe it's like it's kind of like what you were saying. It's um, you know, I don't believe hell is like some physical place that you uh, that your soul goes to. Um, when you die, I believe that like as humans, we have the ability to, um, you know, uh, live a life of, uh, of heaven or live a life of hell. And we can construct our own personal nightmarish hells here on earth. And, you know, we can, we can live through hell on earth here, you know, and we can also live a very good life. Like, you know, um, um, you know, sort of, you know, I, I believe, yes, I believe those constructs are, uh, mental paradigms, really. So it's like, uh, you know, you can live in heaven here or you can live in hell, all depending on your really personal belief and philosophy, I suppose. Yeah. What do you believe? Um, I don't know. I, I've, I've, we've kind of kicked this around on the show before. I kind of feel like the older I get, the more that I do think that there is something outside of this reality, that uh, a higher dimension that we... Um, have dropped down into this world from this reality from and returned to it after we die. Almost kind of like the Matrix style or like, you know, the way you are, uh, when you're done with a book, you put the book down, the story ends, but you're still the Mm. consciousness that's absorbing the book. You know, I kind of feel like we, I do feel like there's something after this. I obviously don't know what it is. Um, If you listen to people like um, our, 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 our latest guest, uh, Adela Levine, who's a medium and an intuitive, or if you if you read stuff that like Terrence McKenna talks about, uh, sort of like the higher dimensional realms, um, and Grant Morrison talks about this. He's a writer that I really like. Uh, that whatever it is is feels more real than where we are now. They keep describing it as being realer than real. Yeah, it's a strange oddity. Um, so that's really fascinating. That I think that the whatever that is is where we where we end up. I always like um, that expression that we're spiritual beings having a physical experience. I think we are. The older I get, the more I really subscribe to the idea of like, well, why are we here? it's like, well, we want to bounce down into the third dimension and experience what it's like to be a human mm-hmm. and forget about where we come from. And it, and, and that goes, unfortunately that experience goes with all the trappings of our dimension in terms of pain, suffering, but also joy and um, pleasure. But like, you know, and I think it's possible that we could get lost down here and get bogged down and get mired. And we may not, go back to where we came from if we're too kind of like obsessed with our lives here That's sort or of the, cause too much destruction the reincarnation philosophy that if you don't if you if you don't learn what you've come here to learn then you've got to kind of do it all over again right yeah i mean i think you can get because we are basically like 
sort of spiritually like uh, deep sea diving coming mm. down into this dimension, I think we can get lost here. And I think it's possible you can't make it all the way back. And then that that that's kind of what the what hell would be is a place where you become you know worm food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you just like kind of can't. Get I wouldn't back mind up on being higher, worm food because vibration. let me you know if 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 you if you just go if you go from you know from dust to dust then it's just like then you don't know about it and you're not in any you're not in any pain worrying about it i mean if yeah. if if it's just lights out then god that would almost be one of the one of the easier routes to the afterlife cuz then it's lights out, man. Then it's just like a really nice sleep for eternity. And I know. Doesn't I could that do that. sound nice? It does. I, I mean, I don't want to cause anyone concern, but no. I was just thinking the other day. I was like, I, I was. I really had the thought the other day. I was like, wow, death is going to be such a sweet relief one day. I know. <laughs> like, I, I, really I, did. I have often had that thought. Yeah, life is suffering, and listen, death might be. Death might not have a sting. <laughs> Jessica, you were very uh, firm on parallel universes and believing it. I think there's no possible way, even if there is like one trillionth of a chance that there's like, that that's there. I mean, it's just the universe is so expansive. I don't think that there's any possible way this is the only universe that exists. Yeah. Do you think there's another Jessica in another parallel universe? Like, do you, a multitude of you? Oh, man. I don't, I hope not. Yeah. Um, I'll just kill kidding. Him. <laughs> there can be I only have a, one. There right. right. will only be one, Jessica. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I don't think that there's like another one being exactly like me. Oh totally. My God. What so a stupid. Star. <laughs> 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 I'm going to go freaking kill myself. <laughs> Sweet release. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, boy. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to have this week's tale of high strangeness. Cool. Uh, We're back here with Jessica, and we are going to dip into this week's tale of high strangeness. And uh, I got a weird one for you guys this week. Um, It's a controversial story. And it's mostly controversial in the UFO uh, community because it's probably, I'm going to say it straight out of the gate, probably a hoax. But a lot of modern ufology was born from this uh, tale. Something happened. Something Mm -hmm. went down. We know that. There was real people involved. It's just that the the eyewitnesses behind the story, uh, as time went on, seemed to be maybe... A little, a little sketchy, right? Um, in terms of their credibility, but it's a great story, and so here we have it. This is the tale of the Maury Island UFO incident. Ooh, Maury Island, <laughs> Maury, 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 did you bring it's, your it's jacket? My, it's my island. I love this UFO story. <laughs> Sorry, Maury. Before you go back out there, put your windbreaker on. But there's a- there's a UFO. I think I gotta go. I just need a flashlight or something. So, uh, Maury Island is uh, in Puget Sound, uh, off. Uh, it's in uh, Washington State, mm-hmm. um, and this story takes place on June 21st, 1947. This is just a few days before Kenneth Arnold's 
fateful flight over Mount Rainier that launched the birth of the flying saucer zeitgeist in the 20th century. And just about 12 or 13 days before the infamous Roswell crash. Yeah, busy year. Yeah, this was 47. This was considered the summer of flying saucers. This is basically like, so Kenneth Arnold, we talked about a couple months back, he was a commercial pilot and salesman, or commercial, he was a businessman who flew his own plane. He wasn't a commercial pilot. Um, But he spotted nine uh, flying saucers. Uh, flying over Washington, Mount and Rainier. he landed and told this story, and that was he. He described them as they they moved along like saucers skipping on water, and that's where the term uh, the press came up with flying saucers, and then it just kind of took off like that. And within two weeks, the Roswell crash had happened. So this 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 particular two weeks in late June, early July of 1947, it's like. People are seeing shit now. Like, there's almost like mass hysteria happening where people are just like, I see, I saw saw Fawn Saucer too. That kind of thing. They were like super, super popular. So, this uh, was supposed to take place before Kenneth Arnold's flight, but it didn't come out until after. Uh, It did not make it into the public until uh, late July of, of that. So, almost a month after it happened. So that's one reason to be a little skeptical is that, like, this story came out after Kenneth Arnold went public. Mm. Um, But this involves a boatman by the name of Harold Dahl, uh, D-A-H-L, his 15-year-old son, his dog, and two unidentified unidentified men. Um, They were scouring Puget Sound uh, of driftwood. They were collecting driftwood and getting it out of the way for other boats um, off Maury Island. And uh, when Dahl claims that he looked up in the sky and he saw six donut shaped craft descending uh, out of the sky and they were about 2,000 feet up in the air when he first saw them and he described them as donut shaped Um, this was a little inconsistent I found one report that said they were 100 feet across and the hole the donut hole was 25 feet across And then I heard, I read another report that said that they were 30 meters in diameter with about a six meter hole in the center. So. Now you're confusing me. I know. You're doing meters and feet. I know. It's very bizarre, which I guess is kind of close, but you're good. You're good at math. Yeah. So that's, that's close, right? You said 30 meters. It's nine. Sorry. 30 meters is about 90 feet. That's about a hundred feet. All right, cool. So I guess that's. It seems smaller, but adds uh, up. I guess it's not. It adds up. All right. <laughs> right. And now you know out. why I'm an actor it's real. and I have a podcast about Bigfoot because I'm dumb. Um, no. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, no. So they, um, they had portholes and a viewport, he thought, on these crafts. And the underside of the saucers around the donut hole were darker metal. So... The ships descend to about 500 feet over the boat, and the center ship comes down a little bit lower as the other five hover in a circle just sort of above it and around it. Um, And they watched as this ship hovered there for a moment, and then one of the uh, second ship out of the five broke formation and came down and sort of connected with the first ship. Mm-hmm. And they heard a clanging sound, a, a big thud, a clacking, and then suddenly the original ship, the first ship, starts pouring bits of white gleaming metal that are like almost confetti strips. They said it was it looked like shredded new, newspaper. So they watched this happen and they, they start to move the boat towards shore because they're getting, you know, they're freaking out. 
And then suddenly, the light, shiny metal is replaced by these big chunks of, like, black metal or slag. And it starts falling out of the ship, and it's steaming hot. And the water starts to steam, and it falls on the boat, clanks on the roof, it dents it. Bad news. Yeah. They claim it killed the dog, which sucks. I know. I was worried about telling you about that part of the story. I'm sorry. (laughs) And it broke his son's arm, and it burned um, Dahl's arm. Wow. So then they watch as the ship goes back up to the other five. Now, at this point, Dahl gets out his camera and claims to take pictures of of these ships. And then they watch them fly off. So Dahl then uh, takes his son to the hospital. Oh, they said that they threw the dog overboard and buried him at sea, which was really depressing. I also feel like this dog didn't exist. Mm. I'm just going to choose that the dog did not exist because I don't want it to die. Um, The two men now disappear from this story and are not identified or heard from afterwards. Right. And uh, his son would eventually run away in the following month to Montana and get a job waiting tables. And they said that he had like a dissociative disorder like break in his personality and he wow. disappeared. Went off. And then to, to, to just to Montana. He just went over to Montana. So um, the next morning, Dahl gets a knock on his door and he opens it to find a man dressed in a black suit driving a brand new black Buick sedan standing outside his door. And this is one of the reasons that I wanted to do the story. It's the first official appearance of a of a, one of the MIBs of Men in Black in a UFO story. So mm. this is like right from the get-go that we started having UFOs and flying saucers. Here come the men in black. Like, I didn't mean it that I mean, I actually did not mean to. Right. <laughs> I did not mean to say that. <laughs> but here we go. But that's how it works. So, <laughs> so this men in black says, hey, um, we need to talk. And Dahl assumed he was from the government, even though the guy didn't show him any ID. He took him to a diner and they had breakfast. And over breakfast, this men in black did not, man in black did not ask him any questions Dahl says that he just recounted the sighting that he had Mm. with the donut-shaped crafts to him. So it's just sort of like, here's what happened. You saw this, blah, blah, blah. And he doesn't know how he knew. And then he said, if you want to protect your family and yourself, you won't tell anyone about about this sighting. So, of course... um. Uh, Dahl then goes and tells his uh, partner, who I think co-owned the boat or helped him scour the driftwood. He was not part of the original sighting. This guy named Fred Chrisman. And he goes and tells Fred everything that happened. The sighting, uh, that this man in black visited him. He gave Fred Chrisman his camera that supposedly had the film on it. Mm -hmm. And Chrisman didn't believe him, Fred Chrisman. But he went out to Maury Island and he said that he saw the black rocks that fell out of the boat or out of the UFO and he collected some samples and then he said he looked up in the sky and saw one of the crafts hovering overhead while he said watching him and then it drifted off into a cloud Mm. so 
Um, Chrisman and Dahl contact Ray Palmer, who's the publisher of Amazing Stories, and would later go on in the next, like, couple years to start Fate Magazine, which had a bunch of stuff of, like, Fortean Times and, you know, Fortean Stories and UFO Stories. Kenneth Arnold would write for uh, Fate Magazine an article about his, um, uh, his his uh, encounter, and meanwhile, what's happening since Kenneth Arnold has had his sighting? Uh, this is over the course of the month of July. He's started going out and being sort of an amateur Fox Mulder, interviewing other UFO eyewitnesses and people who claim to see flying saucers. And he's collecting all this information. He's become a part-time UFO investigator because he's really into this stuff. And yeah. he would go on his whole life going to conferences and talking about this he became like a full-fledged ufologist um so palmer hears from chrisman and doll this story and palmer's been following uh kenneth arnold for the past few weeks so we're like mid-july roswell's now happened come and gone and uh Kenneth Ar- or uh, Ray Palmer contacts Kenneth Arnold and says, "Hey, you should fly out and meet these guys because they claim to have this uh, um, encounter." So Kenneth Arnold gets in his plane, flies from like uh, I think he was in Montana uh, or Boise, Idaho. He was in Boise. He flies from Boise back to Washington State. And he meets them in a hotel in Tacoma, Washington. And then one of the weird parts of this is when, according to lore, Kenneth Arnold gets to the hotel to check in, and there's already a room checked out um, in his name. Mm. And um, so he's like, okay. He goes and he gets, he takes that room. That's strange, Mr. Arnold. You checked in this morning. Exactly. (laughs) So he goes in that room, and I guess Dahl and Chrisman come out and meet him. To Tacoma, and they sit and they tell him the story. They tell him what happened, and they show him the show him the rocks. Um, and Kenneth Arnold's kind of like, I don't know, I don't buy it. He's kind of thinking this story is a little bullshit. Something about these two guys is giving him a funny vibe, right? Um, and I think he brings out with him or has uh, a Captain Smith, who was a commercial airline pilot, R. E. Smith, I think. He comes out. They've he and Arnold have been talking since uh, Arnold's UFO sighting, and he's like a commercial airline pilot who's also seen stuff. So this guy comes out and he meets with um, Dahl and Chrisman as well, and I think he takes the rocks and looks at them. They have like a few samples of these rocks, and they decide to call out two Air Force guys um, who come up and. Um, they come out. Their guys. Their names are William L. Davidson and Lieutenant Frank M. Brown. They come out. They meet with them, and they're taking this kind of seriously, I guess, because sure. they're just like, I guess Kenneth Arnold and Smith are like, I don't, I, these guys have such a wild story. And they and got the physical thing, evidence too. Well, and the thing that like Smith was doing, and also you have to remember, this is like post World War II. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the beginning of like the Cold War. Um, kind of era and these guys are taking these things seriously they're not they're still not even thinking these are necessarily alien spacecraft they think it could be sure 
Russian Russian crafts that are spying on people. So Smith, I know, is taking everything that he's learning from these interviews and reporting straight back to the FBI. Right. He's kind of taking it seriously in that sense. So he everything that these guys tell Smith, Smith turns around and tells the FBI, and I think he even sent the rocks that they sent them. So the Air Force guys come out. They're looking at these rocks. And they're like, this isn't anything. These guys are lying. So, but they take a couple of the samples back with them. And the weird thing that happens is they're flying back after this meeting. Yeah. Oh, no. Their plane crashes and no. they get killed. I remember this whole now, story. Now, while this is all going down, over the three or four days that they're interviewing these guys, a anonymous source starts calling a, um, a reporter at the Tacoma Times called named Paul Lance. And this, this guy does not identify himself. He says he's a switchboard guy, operator. And um, But I don't think there was any male switchboard operators at the hotel. So that was sort of like, that's mm-hmm. why they think it was a lie. This guy anonymously starts leaking to the press um, that this UFO sighting occurred, that Kenneth Arnold's up here, the Air Force people are up in Tacoma meeting with Chrisman and Dahl. So the press... The whole Pacific Northwest, the press starts running this story. And then it culminates with, like, the spin that these two Air Force guys who were out interviewing them crashed. So after the plane crash, Chrisman, Kenneth is still up in Tacoma. This is, like, day two or three. And Chrisman and Dahl are like, dude, that plane that with those guys, Air Force guys, crashed and those guys were killed. And they tip off, um, I think Paul Lance contacts Kenneth Arnold, and he's like, hey, just so you know, I've been getting anonymous uh, tips from, like, someone is leaking this story in your group. Um, Or someone is spying on you guys and reporting this stuff. And then um, Kenneth Arnold was like, well, shit, this is a little weird. He's like, I don't know if these guys saw a craft or not. I don't think they did, but he was getting paranoid in the sense he's like, something is going on here. And there was also a a version of this story that um, people think that the FBI may have started leaking out this story to the press as well because that for disinformation and that there was maybe some toxic dumping happening by the military up around Maury Island, mm. which I think is also just sort of like yeah, a yarn sense. attached to a, a larger yarn. Yeah. Um, so anyway, long story short, Kenneth Arnold, he takes, oh, oh, and the, 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 the pieces of the rock that the air force guys had brought slag. with them, the slag went missing in the crash. Right. Um, and somebody told, I think told Paul Lance, who told Kenneth Arnold, that that they believed that the sh- the plane was actually shot down from a, 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 a cannon on a boat off the water. And, and they claimed that they saw that it was shot down by the military, hmm. whoever this anonymous caller is, right? So we'll get to that in a sec. So much here. So much to chew on. I know. So then Arnold flies back after the investigation and he has to make a safe crash landing because there was something wrong with his fuel line. Mm. So he was like, I don't know what's going on here, but there's some shenanigans happening. Now, my theory is that all of this was cooked up by Chrisman, Fred Chrisman. 
And because he had previously contacted Ray Palmer and Amazing Stories with a, with a wild tale that when he was fighting World War II in Burma, he had to fight a bunch of monsters in a cave that had ray guns. Okay. <laughs> so he's already tried to get some publicity. You don't like that one? Well, how about this one? How about this one? And this story, you know, came out. Six donuts stopped <laughs> over an island. Oh, my God. We have a donut theme. Bobby Boyle. Yeah. Bobby. Bobby. This one's for you. We didn't even, I didn't even realize this was so. I should have brought donuts today. <laughs> Bring them next time. So I think Crispin cooked. I think Dawn and Crispin cooked this whole thing up. Um, I just had a visual of, like, you researching, and then we were like, oh, wait. Cave monsters, ray guns. Wait, <laughs> yeah, <a> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what's crazy about it is like it has all of the elements of a UFO conspiracy cover-up in this story. Yeah, like Air Force guys mysteriously die. These people are like, you know, there's there's someone spying on them. A Men in Black dude shows up for the first time, mm. and I, that's why I think it's a significant story in UFO lore because it's got a lot of the DNA of a modern UFO story. Now, for sure. That now, I'm not necessarily saying that means that all UFO stories are therefore fake, but you can start to see where the folklore kind of like gets its archetypes. It's all, it's all within, it's all crazily within this same four week period in 1947. Wow. Between Roswell, which we still haven't done yet. Um, Kenneth Arnold. And then this story, the Maury, Maury Island story. And then men in black would become fermented in ufology a few years later in 1955 with a book um, called uh, by Albert K. Bender. He was, really into the Men in Black and he wrote a book called They Knew, they Knew Too Much About Flying Saucers where mm. he collected stories of people being interviewed by Men in Black he had his own MIB encounters that's a whole other episode for another time yeah John Keel was big on the Men in Black as well yeah um, a crazy uh, uh, um uh, what do you call it? Notation to this story is that Chrisman, Fred Chrisman, would later be called in as a witness in the JFK trial. Oh my God. Um, he was like subpoenaed to uh, talk about one of the suspects or a witness. I can't, I didn't really go down that rabbit hole, mm-hmm. but he's connected to JFK conspiracies theories. People, some people think that he's been a CIA agent from the beginning, just uh, spinning like disinformation and confusion. Um, it's a crazy story. It's really weird. I, I, I kind of fall into the bullshit category on this one. How dare you? But I I love it. I love donut ships, shaped ships. Yeah. I like, I don't like dogs dying. No. That's no good. Right. But uh, I love me some MIB. I love me a conspiratorial breakfast. And, you know, I don't know. It's a good story. That's the Maury Island UFO incident. Wow. Well done. Thanks. Well told. So what do you think? Jess, we ask all of our guests, what the hell was that? What the hell? What the hell was that? I mean, I think everything is a freaking government conspiracy. Do it's you? All, yes. Are you really into that stuff? I think those motherfuckers are always up to no good. <laughs> Hell yeah. And they're just doing some bullshit over those islands, probably yeah. getting rid of toxic waste in some beautiful place, some fishermen saw. Yep. Um... And then they perpetuate the UFO thing, so it's not like our government is poisoning our waters. Mm. Well, I have to tell you, I... and like fucking up maneuvers, like right. they were trying to do, like some maneuver, and then they docked too close, and then they almost crashed. But like their part of their planes fell into. So the do ocean. you think they had donut shaped planes? No, 
like so I don't know about that part right. I think it might have been I don't know how close it was right. might have been an optical illusion like with the water reflecting into the sun sure you know what makes you me you can't trust those optical illusions uh, <laughs> they have, get you every time have you ever seen those videos of the UFO videos where they where, where it's like some like um, UFO releasing that slag that you call it like no you haven't seen those well I've seen a few videos of like UFOs and they're like you know they're dropping some sort of like element and and it like sparkles and and weird uh, yeah so it's like it kind of like you that know that's tracks not th- yeah it tracks a little bit for me there um well after the plane crash to kill the two uh air force guys um chrisman i neglected to mention chrisman and doll started to retract their story yeah um but later they claimed it wasn't because they were taking the story back it's because they wanted to stop talking about it because once those two air force guys crashed whether shit got real whether it was real or not it freaked them out and they believed it enough to think that maybe or the, or so they claimed that they were like okay Listen, we're going to stop talking about two this air shit. force guys aren't just going to like grab some like materials um unless they're like seriously interested in and bring it back to their base you know what i mean it's yeah not- that's what was interesting is they said in the story they said that oh <clears throat> yeah, this is I guess just we'll aluminum the they, they were like this is just aluminum yeah. or some slag from a nearby quarry but then um then they uh they still took it back with them yeah, exactly. I mean, the when stories riddled you have witnesses with who shit. say that they have like physical evidence, I mean, that's when that's when people become really interested. You know what I mean? Especially like a couple of Air Force guys. Mari, those two guys from the Air Force are here. <laughs> they want to look at your rocks. They want the slag. They're not going to get it. Mari, check, check their IDs. Mari, all the windows are open in here. Put on a shirt. <laughs> it's freezing. I hid the slag. I knew. I knew they were coming. I had precognition. I like. I didn't. I, I'm fascinated to find out, Jess, that you're so paranoid of, from the by the, of the government. Yeah, that's good. You should be. They're up to no good. <laughs> They're up they to are no. up to no good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not safe. We never have been. I would agree with all that. <laughs> oh my god! My favorite part of the story is how you were. Really focused on doing a scalp massage for yourself so that you didn't puke into your star massage. <laughs> you were just just slowly. Uh, just a slow temple rub. Temple rubbing. I was like, I got to get through have this. You ever, have you ever got story. to the point like we've been doing this for a year right now? So it's like that's like fifty two of these like crazy stories. Sometimes I'll be getting to one and I'll be like. Doing that too, like, what am I doing? <laughs> what am I We're doing? We're all a little Maury from time to time. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yes, I got to ask you, we haven't asked this question for to a guest for a long time. Uh, we used to have a segment on here called Collector's uh, Club, Collector's Corner. Yeah. You've just heard us be weird for like uh, almost an hour. What is the shit that you're weird about? Like, what are you into like this? Do you collect anything or do you follow obsessively certain shows or i don't know did you ever have like a weird hobby like this where you're just like people don't understand but i do um no and that's like the real tragedy of my life is i'm just like except i'm like the government's bullshit (laughs) um i i mean acting was a big thing obviously because you wanted to do it since you were a little goddess yeah 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 it was a tiny little goddess yeah tiny little Intact hymen. Um, <laughs> so gross. I, it's like I, I hear what Bryce is talking about, and I'm like, 
sometimes I hear myself halfway through one of these stories and I, was, and I am like, what am I doing? And that's probably <laughs> when the temple rub <laughs> starts to happen. Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, it's been another lovely session in the Bigfoot Collectors Club. Jess, <laughs> um, where can people find you should you choose to be found? Um, just I'm I'm just gonna be taking this beautiful white dog. Oh, I know. Um, I am on Instagram. Yes. As Jess Marlowe. Uh, it's hard to spell. Do your best. J e s s m a r l o. Here's the thing: hard. s's sound like f's, and oh. l's sound like o's. So sometimes it sounds like I'm saying Jeff Marl. Wait, maybe you should start another Instagram. Wait a minute. Yeah, it's called <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Marl. Oh, I can't it's, it's, side it's all the things that Jeff Marl's doing, and you play Jeff Marl. You like tuck your hair up into the hat. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jeff Marl. <laughs> I like antique rugs. Uh. <laughs> I also enjoy that you are from uh, Albuquerque, but you sound like you're from like South Carolina. What? You kind of have like a little country twang to you. No, a little bit, sort of. I don't, don't know. You think? I, I guess I don't. I guess. I mean, like, well, if you, like, I think you're crazy, but like, <laughs> honestly, it's so late. Like, I need to get some grits in me, or else I'm just 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 pass out. Um. And then Twitter, I and mostly Twitter. just retweet stuff. Oh, man. Just conspiracy theories. Yeah. <laughs> <No. laughs> the government's killing you. Uh, Twitter is megalomaniac. Oh, that's Here's cool. the thing. There are th- hundreds of thousands of Jessica Lowe's in the world. Yeah. And I am not an early adopter. So there's some Jessica Lowe that's always going to get the Jessica Lowe before I get Damn. the Jessica yeah. Lowe. That's why my McMills has two Zs. Because there was already McMills. I just heard a story on a great podcast, I'll plug it, called Reply All, about um, people who hunt down and, like, uh, they, like, stalk people and blackmail people to get and steal their identity to get their OG, like, handle names. Mm. And then they will sell that handle name to a buyer for, like, thousands of dollars. So, like, (laughs) OGs, OG names uh, are, like, really popular on the dark uh, on the wow. on the dark web wow. for selling isn't that weird what yeah. a weird what a weird wild world we live that's in that's why guys. I own www.bradpitt.com yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just waiting for someone to buy it out from us it's coming I bet you could sell <laughs> that for a cool coming. 150 <laughs> at least we want $287 <laughs> yeah um, Bryce um, God I did it again I looked at Riley and I called him Bryce he did uh, Riley well I mean he's there too so Bryce, can work either good. way Riley uh, Spindrift is going on tour soon correct yeah we leave on Wednesday alright well, this, uh, this episode airs on Wednesday we leave so, today yeah so where are you guys going where can people come find you guys uh well the tour is built around this festival we're playing in austin called the saturnalia festival oh cool uh which is a cool psych rock festival so we're doing shows on the way there and back uh but yeah we're uh, just playing throughout the southwest um making our way to austin and back so if you're in that region we're doing about eight shows so great we'd yeah. love to see you come check out that and uh bryce Anything to plug for the kids? No, just uh, follow us on Instagram at uh, Bigfoot Collectors Club, um, and we're also on all the social media accounts. Yeah. Leave us a review on iTunes if you like what we're doing, and uh, if you're really interested in some of our other material, follow us on Patreon. Yeah. Oh, please do. And please, please, please review us on iTunes. 
Um, it really helps us. Uh, we're trying to get up that list. And one more time, call us at 310-597-4803. We won't pick up, but don't be scared. Don't hang up. Yeah, don't hang up. We're not going to pick up. You just leave a message. We're just going to air you on our podcast. (laughs) We might. We might not. If uh, you know, well, it depends on if you hang up or not. Exactly. Um, All right. Well, thank you so much to our guest, Jessica Lowe, for being here today. You're wonderful. Thank you for having me. Always um, welcome back. It's going to be really weird when we never speak again after this. <laughs> it's been a fun three days being your <laughs> At friend. At least you didn't get murdered. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you sassy dance videos. I, I would love sassy dance videos. And then just videos. like a bunch of dogs being pet. Oh, that's Aww. great. Now, this is we're already friends, I can tell. Um, so thank you, everybody listening. Uh, we love you guys. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode of Bigfoot Clutchers Club. Oh no, he's puking. He's puking. He's puking. That is 100% agave puke. Oh, pure, pure agave. Pure agave. Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray. Our theme song is Come Alone by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps get the podcast to more listeners. To support the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club and unlock multiple reward episodes every month. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their case has had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts.